Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Wired Nerdy Podcast, episode number 19. My name is Keith. I am here with my good friend and co-host, Doug. Doug, how is episode number 19 finding you? Uh, it's good. We uh, have a lot of good things to talk about. Uh, as you know, the uh, WWDC, our Worldwide Developer Conference, uh, acronyms trouble me sometimes, but no, that's uh, perfect. Apple's uh, keynote event was uh, last week, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But I think uh, we're saving most of our time today for uh, our special guest, Brian, which I'm really excited about. You can give us a little more information on that. Yeah, definitely. So we are going to tackle some Wired Nerdy news, as Doug said huge event this past week with apple it's like they're following on the heels of the google one we talked about a couple episodes back uh and then our special guest of course is brian who uh is not only a retro game collector we've mentioned him before we've helped him out uh with conferences and that sort of thing but his other thing he does is he builds custom arcade cabinets we got on this because behind doug there you can see uh, his arcade there, if you're watching this on YouTube. If not, if you're on audio only, no big deal. Doug has an arcade behind him. Uh, but Brian creates and crafts and modifies uh, custom arcades uh, for uh, privatized purposes for people in their private home collections. And so we're going to talk about that, talk about the process, uh, how we got into it, uh, and just explore just the general area of uh, the community of modding and building custom arcades for people's homes and stuff and he is an expert at that he has some incredible stuff we've got some great pictures and stuff we'll show of his work as well but before we get to our guests let's queue up the wired nerdy news nerd news all right doug you mentioned apple had their keynote and it was this bad boy was uh like over like an hour and 40 it was a really long one yeah yeah, a lot of content you got. We're just not going to go into all the details of, of everything, uh, but no. we're going to gloss over the high levels in case uh, you missed it. And we're just going to hit those those big, big marks. I can tell you right out the gate. Of course, there's going to be an update to all the phones as far as like iOS. Uh, then they're adding new features and things like that. You, you'll be able to get summaries online, but we're going to hit the, the, the big ones here. I'm going to start off with the first one. They announced a 15 inch MacBook Air. It is super, super light. It's super, super thin at 11.5 millimeters, and it is only three pounds. Now, if you've not messed with MacBooks, they are amazing. Uh, obviously because they're so thin, they're made to be ultra portable. They don't have a lot of ports on them. Uh, this bad boy only has, uh, two Thunderbolt USB-C ports on it. That's kind of normal. Uh, but people that use airs are really using it for the portability. I've owned air in the past, quite a few of them, actually amazing machines. Uh, it also has their, uh, M dot line of silicon M dot two. So super fast, but this is a big deal because the screen is a lot bigger. Uh, they also come in a variety of different colors. Price point ain't bad. Uh, they dropped the last gen Max down to like one thousand uh, dollars. These things are going to be hovering around the eleven hundred dollar mark and up, of course, depending on storage size and that that sort of thing. But these are really for the biggest bang for the buck and for the value uh, are really one of your best options if you're really portable. Uh, they're razor thin, super fast. I'm I'm excited about it. The, the fact that they have the 15 inch one, it's great. It's bigger screen, real estate and everything, uh, especially since I didn't have the list, but I'll bring it up. One of the key elements was they were talking about gaming. 
Uh, and more developers are starting to release on Mac. And here on the Wire Nerdy Podcast, we talk a lot about that. Uh, one of the big announcements that they have is No Man's Sky, which is a hugely popular game, both in PC and it's now on Mac. Now, if you have a device like this, you got a bigger screen so you can enjoy your games too. So spreading the love. What do you think about it, Doug? Uh, yeah, I've never owned a Mac. Uh, we had them. Uh, my mother was a teacher. Um, the iMac, I believe, the colored one. Um, yeah. I always call it the wrong thing. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed it, but you know, I'm kind of the traditional, and I know there's shortcuts. The right click guy. I got to have my right click button and all the Windows stuff. Um, I will say, and we're going to get through some different uh, products today, but that's one thing Apple has is they have beautiful hardware. I mean, made. they really take their time into designing it and making it look good. So, yes, Android fanboy here, but your phones, your laptops, uh, they all look great. So I had a really good time watching the keynote. Keynotes have been awesome since the days of uh, Steve Jobs. He really got the crowd's attention. Uh, Tim Cook, I believe the current uh, CEO, still grabs your attention. I don't believe it was a live event, but... Uh, I uh, had my attention held even for stuff I didn't even know what they were talking about. Yeah, it was pre-recorded. I'm going to blow your mind, Doug. You actually can enable right-click on macOS now. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I may have to switch. I want to convert him. That gaming oh, takes off, maybe. You never know. So Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're not even going to waste time. We talked about this before. What's the big product announcement? We'll go through the others after this, but let's just not waste time. Let's get right to it. Yep. What is it? Vision Pro. So to me, uh, not breaking down any specs, not breaking down any other things, it's a VR headset. But uh, Mac does not want you to call it that. <laughs> no, uh, they don't. Yeah. Well, they mentioned uh, AR, it, like augmented reality as well, Yeah, but also 3D as well. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it looks the, like Macho Man Randy Savage's glasses, though. I, I was just going to say that. The, <laughs> or you're going to uh, go skiing. <laughs> the amount of memes that have oh, come out about this device I'll put some are, I'll put some are, <laughs> are the funniest thing ever. I, I, I'm really excited for their technology. Again, their design looks great. I mean, sort of. It's a strange device. Uh, if you are audio only, please go out look at it. It's called the Vision Pro. But then... The price tag, oh, the price tag on this. So, what is it? The PlayStation VR that's been out a while. It's mm -hmm. got a really good reputation. It works well. Yep. Uh, I've even talked about some law enforcement companies are using it for VR training for law enforcement, and it's got a better price point. Uh, we'll throw that price point up. I can't think of it at the moment, but the VR is priced at thirty four ninety nine. You know, not. $34.99, $3,499. And we really don't know its capabilities. It uh, hasn't had any tests out in the field. There's no industry standard of, hey, this is an awesome device. So kind of sticker shock to me. What yeah. do you think? Well, first of all, I just Googled it while you were talking. The price point for the PlayStation VR 2 from Best Buy is right at $550. Uh, if you get a big bundle with uh, Horizon uh you know zero dawn the games or you know any of those or horizon call the mountain i think it is they call they're calling it, it's a bundle uh it's six hundred dollars that's yeah. a pretty decent entry point um there was also a recent announcement where they're now competitors with apple since they've jumped into the fray is quest quest 2 from meta mm -hmm. which are known yep, as oculus uh, and they're very good 
the thing about this, here's my thoughts. <clears throat> I have no doubts that Apple's going to innovate. I'm fascinated to see what this is like. I think it will be a game changer in way of the way that they deliver it and the specs and all of that. Great. Uh, they yeah. talked about it having a single battery, very lightweight, it attaching, you know, to your hand, you know, all those kinds of things. But the price point just blows my mind. I've got to be honest yeah. with you. I, 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 Apple has a reputation for being expensive and they are, uh, but they do have higher quality products for it. And typically if you're going to drop, you know, $1,100 on a MacBook, it's going to last you 13 years. You can't say that for a PC. You're going to have to upgrade the PC depending no, on what you're not doing. at all. Um, but for this, I was really kind of surprised at how high that price point is. I think that's a little, little Gucci. I think it's a little high. Um, it makes me wonder who's the demographic. There's always going to be the hardcore Mac people that's going to buy it, but is this like businesses? Is this, I mean, that's a high price point. And so to me, it doesn't feel like they're trying to compete with Oculus, uh, you know, or even, you know, any of the other ones out there. Mm -hmm. This is the price points just so out of the water. So I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know why. Um, so it's, it's going to be unattainable for most people, even diehard Mac people. Mm -hmm. Um, because that are used to paying exorbitant prices is just so out there, you know? So that, those are my thoughts. I, I have no doubts that it, it does something amazing that maybe we haven't seen before. And I'm excited to see that as a technologist, but mm, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't see the point. Don't know who they're competing with. So that's my thought. Yep. I totally agree with you. Um, looking at the website, there's not a lot of information. I mean, it talks about the technology, kind of what it does. But it's not telling you what comes in the box. I mean, are we paying thirty four ninety nine just for the headset or the device? Or are we getting some peripherals? Are we getting some software and some gaming and other stuff included? So it'll be interesting to see once this is finally released uh, what that thirty four ninety nine gets you. Yeah, and what's crazy is the MetaQuest Two is a great example, brand new. Now it's not the latest gen because there's a new one coming. Is uh, three hundred bucks on Amazon. Hmm. So, eh, what are y'all doing? So, I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I'm yeah. not crazy about the price, but I'm sure it's amazing, but I, it ain't $3,500 amazing. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. It better, yep. change your, better change your life for that. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. So, now, anyway. one thing I will say, closing this out, I'll close it out here, is I'm a huge fan of both the book and video uh, or the movie Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. So if this is kind of their step into the Ready Player One world, then uh, I'll spend thirty five hundred right now. I mean, but <laughs> Ash, I don't think Ashley we're up to the you. Ready. <laughs> oh, no, she said. will be mad. <laughs> she won't let you get a, a Google Fold, man. What's going on? But She's I would trying say, to keep you keep you keep you I, out of the poorhouse. <laughs> she is, and I love her for that. Uh, shout out to her. <laughs> she got to look out for uh, you. <laughs> absolutely. So I mean, if this is the start, and I'm, we're probably 10, 15 years away from that great of technology of ready player one but if this is a start that's it's very exciting so i'll say that yeah i'm excited to see what the technology does compared to what's out there what does it change companies copy each other's competition's always good yeah. i just don't feel like at the price point that apple's trying to compete i just yeah. i don't think that's their goal i don't this seems like a vanity project or a prototype almost and that if you mm -hmm. just want to have to take part of it that's why they slap that price on it but that's my two cents so anyway yep. let's Go on through and gloss over. What are some of the other highlights real quick here that people can expect? You get the next one, Doug. Yeah, there was a lot of cool announcements, stuff I really would like to see come to uh, the Android world. One of them was uh, contact posters. Those are so cool. when you call someone, you'll get a full screen 
I think possibly a video or an emoji of who's calling you or who you're calling. Uh, right now, when I call on Android, I don't know how it is on uh, Apple. I get a little picture uh, that Same I have us. to put on there myself. Yep. Uh, on myself, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, sometimes it's fuzzy, blurry. You have to get the right resolution photo. So these look amazing. It's a full phone picture of who you're calling and you can do some custom photos and stuff so that's a really cool feature it is really cool Uh, i'm excited about it yep the other one i saw was a facetime voicemail so kind of getting futuristic here you leave a video voicemail for the person you're trying to call i thought that was a i like that cool concept yep that's a really good one uh, and on top of that, it's kind of uh, in the same category. We don't have it on our list, but I do want to call it out as an honorable mention, is that not only can, if you FaceTime somebody with video, not only can you leave them a video voicemail, another cool thing is everybody, every one of us gets spam calls, right? Mm-hmm. They Definitely. now will have real time transcribing voice to text while somebody's leaving you a voicemail. So that means if somebody calls you, don't recognize the number, could be a spam. You just let it go to voicemail. Once it hits voicemail on the iPhone, you sit there and you wait. As they're talking, you can read it on your lock screen and it tells you what they're saying. And if you realize it's maybe a family member or whatever, you can quickly pick up and answer kind of like the old days back when you would grab it off of the the answering machine. I think that's really cool. You can see what they're saying while they're recording it and decide whether you want to pick up a little bit later. That's a really cool advancement. That's neat. Now. Uh, I don't know if it's the same thing that you're talking about, but I have to like give a little brush of the shoulder to my pixel because pixel has a mode called call screen. So when I get an unknown caller or a spam call, it does exactly what you just said. I will see exactly what they're saying is transcribed in front of me. There's even buttons come up that say, tell me more information. Tell me why you're calling. Tell me who you work for. So you've already had that for a while on Android, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's pixel exclusive. Uh, I don't know if they've released it to the other Android devices. That's cool. Pixel exclusive. It's called call screen. If you haven't checked it out, definitely. I I think this is the same thing that you're talking about. It is. And it sounds like big time. That's awesome, man. See, I didn't know this is why it's good to have an Android guy and an Apple guy. So we can bury the hatchet, come together, find out what we have in common and, and sing Kumbaya and not, not wage war. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, to kind of put a big spin on it, uh, Apple's uh, type of ice cream, Android's type of ice cream, let's kind of share the same ingredients and let's just make both universes it's, and both worlds great it's all ice for cream, each right? person. It's yeah. all ice cream. All right. So, I was yeah. thinking about ice cream day, but anyway, I'll keep going. <laughs> Doug's thinking about food. All right. What, oh, else, yeah. what else do we have, Doug, uh, uh, beyond the FaceTime messaging? What's next mm-hmm. on the list? So I believe, and I could be wrong, this is another, not a steal, but a borrow from Android. It's standby mode. So there will be a mode on your iPhone that you can turn it sideways or t- uh, put it on a wireless charger that turns it into a clock or a uh, smart device. Yep. Uh, I know some of the Androids do that already. Um, Apple will have its own spin on it. I think it's a really good idea. Because what do you do with your phone when you're sleeping at night? I mean, it's just sitting there on your charging charging in the screens off where this it has the adaptive light so that if you put it in there and you put it like sideways you can either have a calendar but it also detects ambient light when your lights go out in your bedroom Mm -hmm. for example go to sleep it darkens to a red mode so the light doesn't keep you awake really cool little things like that so you can also have stock tickers like i like it for if you have it on your desk because it isn't just if you want to use it for uh you know a nightstand alarm clock you can also have it on your desk 
and it's got MagSafe, so it's a magnet that it'll attach to it, almost free-floating. And you can have a stock ticker on it. There's all kinds of widgets and apps that you can have, which widgets have obviously been on Android for a while. Uh, iOS has had them for a while too, but now you can customize all that. And when you put it in that mode, and it's kind of a you know a nice little assistant there. And and they coupled that with right now, and I dare say it because my phone's going to activate, you have to say, hey, Siri, in order for it to activate. They're changing it. She, my phone just activated. <laughs> so they're changing it to where if you just say Siri, it'll activate. And yeah. so um, you know they, they've added that too. And I think that's kind of an addition into for the standby mode as well. Yep. I saw that as well. Um that's a really cool feature. I'll kind of go into the next one. I think this is more of your expertise. Uh, they released a, or they're going to release a new OS, I believe, called yep. Mac OS Sonoma. And uh, with your IT background, you can tell me because I kind of understand. To me, it's like Windows XP versus 7 versus 11. Is it just a new OS with new features and stuff, or what's going is, on with that? It is a new uh, OS, and one of the the main things, you know, of course, we used to joke that well, Apple doesn't charge for their OS; Windows does. <laughs> so, uh, Windows has gotten a little better about that to to give them yeah. credit. But no, it's just it's the next iteration. It's Sonoma. They're going to have uh, widgets that I just mentioned. They're going to be allowed to have it on your desktop, which is kind of cool. Before it was always on, you know, like on your phone, it was always on a lock screen <laughs> or or hidden away in your notification center. Uh, so that's new. Um, they are, and, and the cool thing is if you're in the ecosystem of Apple, if you already have those widgets on an iPad or on your phone, they'll just float on over to, you don't have to recreate them. They'll float on over to your, your Mac, uh, video conferencing. This was so freaking cool. I only have one problem with it. Uh, and let me explain what it is. So video conferencing, uh, as you can see, like with me right now, I have a background behind me. Well, mm -hmm. what's awesome about this is that. Um, actually, I'm going to take back my comment. I don't have a problem with it because they did say something. But, but what it is, is, is that you if Doug and I are talking and if we're in a business call and I have a PowerPoint presentation, I can actually shrink myself, put myself in a circle. I can even make my background the PowerPoint presentation. Oh, that's cool. And I can move myself into the corner and then Doug can see the PowerPoint and I'm flipping through the slides. Um, at first, when I saw this and I thought I had a problem with it, I go, oh, well, that's fine if you're doing FaceTime. Most of the business world uses Microsoft Teams, Zoom, WebEx, but at the very end, and I just read this because I caught myself, they are going to allow third-party integration with Zoom. So now if you're in the business world and you're on a Mac, even if you have a third-party camera like I'm using right now on my Mac, which I do every day for work because I do have a Mac as my driver for work, um, I can do presentations, shrink myself down and put myself in the presentation and point things out kind of like a weatherman. Freaking cool. So yeah. for those of us that you know work from home and, and live in that environment we're we're pretty pretty excited about it and um they also have uh just some security stuff um you know that they're going to be adding with passwords uh they're doing search feature for your text messages which i think is awesome because mm -hmm. you know doug and i text a lot sometimes i'll think to myself well what was it i said you can actually do expanded searches now through your search history that's really cool and then finally it's gimmicky, but it's kind of cool. They're adding stickers to text messaging. So you can put them and drag them. And what's really neat is they had introduced a feature where if there's a picture of me standing in the park, you hold the your finger down on me, it'll take me out, remove the background. You can actually take that outline of me and turn it into a sticker and slap it on any kind of a uh, you know text message that you want. How this will work or will it will work with Android? Probably not. That's the thing. Apple keeps expanding iMessage, you know. 
but uh, you know, so that's the rundown of the of Mac OS. Uh, and uh, Doug, any any thoughts on that? Does this entice you at all to want to get a Mac? Uh, maybe you got me with the the right click button. Um, <laughs> some of the features seem similar to Android, but I'd have to see. Uh, I mean, we've taken stuff from Apple; they've taken stuff from us. So yeah, it's I'm not worried about that. I like that uh, we're just making these devices better for the end user. Yeah. That's, Honestly, that's the main goal. Here. Everybody wins yeah. with this. When there's an advancement, one does it and the other copies. Honestly, we all win. I, that, that's why I really do love both platforms uh, yeah, for a variety definitely. of reasons and their similarities. I think it's great. Uh, we'll round up the last two here real quick, or the, the big ticket items, if you don't mind, Doug, before we get into our, our final nerd news topic. And yeah. that is... Um, Additional announcements for the Apple CPU. Uh, they now have the uh, M2 Ultra chipset. They had up to the max. Uh, all you need to know, these are for professional workloads. These are like movie studios. Uh, and these, these processors are getting beefier and beefier. Yeah. Uh, so Apple does manufacture their own chips now. Uh, they are ARM-based. We talked about that last episode. Uh, and, of course, they're coupling this with their Mac Pro desktop, their Mac Pro with M2 Ultra. Again, these are for people who are doing 3D rendering, 3D modeling. If you're in the aerospace engineering, doing 3D AutoCAD, uh, these are pretty beefy systems. So that was a big announcement that they had made there. So any other yeah. final thoughts on on the keynote, Doug, before we get into our last little topic here? No, uh, keynotes, like I said, kind of fascinate me. Uh, you get to see these industry leaders talk about the things that they love, the things that they're working on. Uh, it's really cool. And then kind of adding their flair, their spin to it to keep the audience engaged and entertained. Yep. So it was, lots it was of good. good announcements, lots of good stuff. Exactly. All right. We have a light topic real quick before we get into uh, our guest here. What is it? Yep. <laughs> uh, so I uh, recently, or well, you did too, uh, downloaded Diablo 4. It just released for everybody. The Ultimate Edition released last week. Uh, we've been playing it pretty good. We're probably going to play it after the show today. We'll have more of a review for you, I believe. But so far, amazing. Initial uh, impressions, we, yeah. Yeah. We played the beta. There was a couple bugs, a couple issues. I think they've worked all those out. Uh, so far, it seems flawless. I played a couple hours today. We uh, squatted up, or hey, you don't say squad. That's kind of military. This is more <laughs> clan. Our clan yeah. uh, came together, and we uh, did a couple missions and stuff. So it really flows well. I like the open world concept. I'm new to Diablo Four. I like uh, just kind of running around. It's not turn based. It's kind of mindless things, honestly. Yeah. That's a nice thing. Turn your it's brain really off. simple to control. That's one thing I love too. It's not complicated at all. You can get busy, no. but it's just oh, one you can just... There's so much going up on the yeah. screen. But you can turn your mind off and display it, so it's kind of nice. But no, initial yeah. impressions are exactly what you said. It's definitely... They did a really good job on improvement mm -hmm. from when we played early May to a final release. It's oftentimes you'll play a beta, and then when there's final release, there's not much of a change. It's more stable uh even the graphics look better and, and the animations are better so it kind of makes me wonder if they were running the beta on an earlier build test just to because yeah. that was a server stress test is what the purpose of that was uh, i think they called it the the server server smash or server swarm or something like that yeah uh, so it, we, it may have been an older version that in order to you know to slam the servers but i can definitely tell it's not the same iteration that was played because I, honestly i felt like Diablo three felt better to me. I walked away from the beta going, well, it was good, 
but Diablo 3 seemed better. But now, after playing the release one, yeah, they've done a great job. Yeah. So that's the initial impressions that I have. Yep, I can't agree more. Um, I noticed getting into the combat, there's so much going on on the screen. But then I took a second and looked in the background. The design and the detail in the background is amazing. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff going on back there. I mean, you're so focused on all this stuff <laughs> in the foreground. Yeah. But then uh, just you don't a beautiful get game overall. <laughs> yeah, you don't no, want to get too distracted with watching the background. But oh, are. I've died a lot and I've had to respond. So that's going to be a reoccurring theme. Uh, it happens. It happens. But it's good so far, but more in-depth later on. Yeah. So, All right. Well, that wraps it up for our new section. So let's dive into our guest. Yeah. So for this week's episode, number 19, we have yet another guest. Now, this is somebody that you have heard us mention numerous times. I think the running joke is uh, between him and I, he's like the Wizard of Oz, the, the man behind the curtain, uh, my brother, Brian. Uh, we're having Brian on because what sparked this conversation was if you look over Doug's shoulder, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see this awesome cabinet playing these games. And Doug's had mentioned how many games were on it. My brother actually made it and he makes a variety of these as a hobby. He has a lot of hobbies, but this is one of them. And we wanted to have him on and just kind of run through and, and talk about all of his arcade builds and have him share with us uh, what that's about and kind of show and share everybody some of his talent and stuff that he does. Brian, how you doing, man? Can you hear us okay? Yep, I hear just fine. Yeah, we got Brian on audio. Uh, so this will be like a radio talk show. This is the first time I think we've had an audio only guest, Doug. Yeah. Exciting. Um, I'm really interested to talk to him. I've uh, talked to him before about the arcade cabinet that he's built me, but getting into how he got into it, uh, what he puts uh, into it, like parts-wise and his inspiration, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So it'll be interesting to talk to him and get the low down and dirty on building these arcade cabinets. Yeah, so let's dig into it. So let's start with the very first one. Brian, how did you get into doing this? And why? What gave you the idea? Well, a lot of it came from just watching too much YouTube when it all started up with the arcade one-ups and people modding them. And I just kind of jump on that bandwagon. Then after I had my heart attack about five years ago, I was bored sitting here, nothing to do. I had a 3D printer that I had bought for my Fiero to make some parts for that. And I needed something else to do with it. And then I came across the idea for the 3D printed arcade, which I made for you for Christmas. So, yep. and that just, and that kind of snowballed from there. Then I ended up getting the job after the heart attack and all that and got more established with money and then went out. And I first one I bought was uh, an arcade one up. It was a uh, Street Fighter from Walmart. And I modded that one. That was my retrocade one that I had. That was the first one I did. And of course, I modded that one for a while. And at the end of it, I started with a Raspberry Pi 3 in that one. And then that gotcha. ended up going over to a, uh motherboard and when i went pc on it and at that point that's when i added the uh 4.9 inch uh, lcd marquee in it so whenever game you put it on it showed that marquee marquee on it so and it just kind of snowballed from there and i started doing other ones and yeah i just don't know when to quit (laughs) very cool so wait well let's Let's kind of get into the the guts here. What is the fundamental difference between the ones that you're building? Because you mentioned you modded the ones from Walmart, and we've all seen them. Like, what's the fundamental difference for people that don't know? Because we have a wide variety of people that 
listen that do know. And then a lot of people that may know what's the difference between like the ones they see at Walmart versus the ones that you're building. What sets yours out differently? How do you go about it differently in the inside and the guts and stuff? Well, the one, the arcade one ups, for example, that Walmart was selling, uh, they're pretty cheaply made. I mean, it's just pressed particle board for a cabinet. I mean, it's really cheaply made. It's just a small little bitty uh, single board computer, you know, one game only sometimes, you know, some of them might have two or three games, but, you know, because of their licensing stuff they have to do and all that. Uh, they come with a 17-inch monitor, and it wasn't a great monitor. They would have a very high fail rate. If you've got six months out of it, you consider yourself lucky. So mm. when I mod them, you know, I can either go with Raspberry Pi uh, board or I can go PC. I upgrade it to a uh, 5.4 ratio uh, Dell 20-inch monitor from a 17 to a 20-inch monitor. A lot more reliable, you know, so you get a bigger screen. And then, of course, I have, I've added, you know, um, LED buttons. You know, I'll do a sand wall or cherry buttons and stuff. Uh, cherry switches and all that stuff so it has more of that clicky arcade feel to them they're much better you know than the, than the cheap chinese clones that they put in them originally so that's pretty much about the difference yeah gotcha so you like overhaul them so that they will last longer you obviously add way more games what do the one-ups have they only have like what a handful of games on them when you buy them from walmart don't they uh the first gen i think like the street fighter um i think it had just the one game, I believe, and then I know the Street Fighter Two. I think it had like they had two or three different copies of it. I forget now; it's been so while. But yeah, some happened. Some of them, most of them, were just a prioritized one game for that arcade, like the old school's quarter base stuff was off of. It's just scaled down to a three quarter scale. Yeah, and there was a couple Pac Mans later on, like second, third iterations and stuff that had two or three different games and. There's some yeah. of them people have figured how to mod the boards to where there was hidden games on it you could get out and okay and all kinds of stuff. It goes on and on and on. But they were more novelty than anything versus what you're building is the guts from the inside up so that you have a big library of games instead of just like a handful of three or four. I know Doug mentioned his has thousands. You know, I know mine does. Uh, so that's also one of the unique things that that you do. And I'm assuming those are, you know, obviously we know those are based on ROMs. If people don't know, those are like a uh, form of emulation that works really well. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. So Doug, I'm gonna let you, I've been hogging the questions. You, you, you take off there, man. You, you asked the next one. No, you're asking everything I want to ask. Um, so you built me, Brian, a, uh, what's called, I believe a bar top, but I have it sitting on a riser or I don't know the proper industry term. Besides the bar top you built me, what other form factors or styles uh, can you build or have you built in the past? I've done a little bit, like I said, I've done arcade one-ups. I've done several of them, uh, like, you know, because they're technically, when you buy them from Walmart or Best Buy, they're considered toys, you know, nothing more. They're a novelty mm -hmm. toy, yeah. basically. And then I turn them more into an actually usable computer because I don't care about licensing and all that, you know, that companies do, you know. Yeah. So I don't have that over my head. I, so, yeah, and you're doing it for yeah. private people, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it for yeah, private. Yeah, you're doing it for private people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, mm -hmm. Normally, you know, when it comes to themes and stuff, you know, if they want a theme, I can I can add vinyl graphics on the side. And you know, I did a, I did a Castlevania one for a friend of mine. That turned out really nice. Um, so you know, all that. Then I have in my room, I have a Micro Center version. It's their idea of a three quarter scale, but it looks more like a full size. 
and it takes it takes a 24 inch monitor widescreen monitor and that there's it's a little wider so you have more elbow room than the arcade one up there's it's double the size of an arcade one up so it i like it better you can actually stand next to somebody and play with them and not be you know touching shoulders it's more like a full size right it, it, yeah. it's closer yeah. to a full size yes now the micro center full size one takes a 32 inch tv so oh, wow. i mean you can see you can see how mm-hmm. big that can get you know and that's a four oh, yeah. player design so but yeah i got that um i'm also in the process of doing the I've done digital pinball machines. I've done the bar tops. I've, like I said, I've done the 3D printed ones I've made. Um, I'm also in the process of working on a, I had a buddy of mine had an old Outrun, full-size Outrun cab, out, Turbo Outrun, actually. An and original the, cabinet, right? The, the original cabinet, yes. The board and the screen was going out. The board was bad. So I gutted it all out. I kept the pedals and the steering wheel and all that. And I put a different T, I put an old school CRT TV in it and gutted it and put it in there uh, to replace the original monitor. And I put a PC in that and I'm going to be turning it, I'm in the process of turning it over to a uh, multi-driving cab. So I'm in the process of getting all my oh. game set up and all that and doing all that. So yeah. So they'll be all racing games, but you'll actually have the steering wheel and the, yes. the accelerator. Yep. At the, yep. That's yep. awesome. The high that's low, really... all that. Yep. I'm keeping all the stuff the arcade had. I know on the ripples and stuff, you know, brake, gas, steering, start, turbo, oh, up, that's you know, awesome. shifter, all that. That'll all still be there. That's cool. That's really cool. I, uh, so there's some challenges with building arcades. Uh, before we go into that, uh, how did you learn to do this? I mean, was it kind of YouTube videos or do you have some past electrical and computer knowledge that helped you build these? Notice I didn't I, ask that one, Brian, because I already know the answer to this. No, <laughs> no see, I don't know. I'm learning all kinds of stuff today. Uh, for me, this just comes very, very natural. I mean, okay, I yeah. don't need to watch any video. I can just say, hey, mod this for me. I'm on it, you know. Perfect. I'm like yeah. Builder Bob. Yes, we can, you know. So <laughs> There we go. <laughs> if he visualizes yeah. it, he can pretty much make it and, and yeah, do it. Well, much. that's He's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's his yeah, MO. He's done that for taste, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's very talented with his hands. So knowing that you have the skills to get these projects done, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you've faced or, oh, I can't do it this way, I've got to do it another way? I really haven't had any kind of challenges like that. I guess my about the only challenge I – the biggest challenge I've had is doing the software in on the digital pinball because there is a oh. lot to that. There's a lot of fun. I got 400 tables on that machine. Oh and, man. and and it ranges from the um, FX2, FX3 line from uh, FX pinball stuff, which is a really nice looking mm-hmm. pinball tables. I got um, getting the v, the V pin front end all set up and all that, and then you know future pinball and so on. So yeah, there's a lot to it. You got to know where all the files go for your bet class, for your DMD, and for your play field. And have yeah. all that set up, and there's a lot of configuration with that. Plus, I'm slowly but adding solenoids and stuff, toys to it, you know, to make it more pinball-like, you know, like a mechanical pinball. Yeah. And if people don't know what he's talking about, this thing is amazing. First of all, it's huge. I've had to help him lift it. So, basically, what? how many TVs do you have? In this? So, it's in the shape of a pinball machine, but you took a television and laid it flat and you're running digital 3D pinball software. And then you have another television on the top for the scoreboard and then a marquee, right? Yes. Yeah. I got a 43-inch 
TV, yeah. TV for the play field. And yep. then I oh, have wow. my, I have a 14.9 inch LCD screen um, for the GMD, which is where your score and all that's at, the smaller box. And above that, the the back box, which shows the background of the game you're playing, that's on the 32 inch Vizio. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. Like, I got to play it, and he doesn't have the solenoids in it yet. And the solenoids, well, they make it like vibrate, right? And, and shudder well, and give it the well, pinball the, feel. The, Is that what it'll do? Uh, the solenoids make the clicking sound when you hit the buttons to make all it realistic. It is, yeah, all it is is just that the old sense. school, uh, like let's say mid '80s Ford's starter solenoids. That's all mm-hmm. it is, and they make oh, really? the click, 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 click sounds every time you hit the button. It makes that pop, cool. pop, pop, click sound, just like the bumpers do on a mechanical. So, and then I got then That's I got cool. an eight-inch sub in it. It's like 650 watt speaker system in it. It's loud. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> oh, very man. loud. And I've got to I've play it. Also... We, <laughs> we played that at Thanksgiving and my daughters. Oh my gosh. Brian took them down there and it was so much fun. And it's not even completed. You're running. That's runs on windows. You have, do you have like a PC in that? That's not raspberry Pi. You're running that on a straight up PC build, right? Yes. Yes. I'm running on an I five, like a 50 and I five. So yeah. Yeah. It's got like a 750 GTX video card in it. Yeah. It's impressive. It's a really cool build. It's one of my favorite ones that he's done so far. Uh, so, but like you said, the software, getting all of the, 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 the flippers and the buttons and the menu system to work is complex, you know, and automating all that. I, I, it, I've seen you have to do that before. So that one's still a work in progress, I assume. Yeah. I haven't got to mess with it much lately. So too much other projects going on. Yeah. Understandable. All right, Doug, keep going. Yeah, so you're working on this pinball machine. Is there any future projects you have in the works or anything you're thinking of uh, getting ready to start? Well, right now, just the outrun is my biggest thing, getting that one going. I've started mm-hmm. on that one and stuff. Yep. And I just, It's just a matter of getting all the uh, pots on the foot pedals and the steering controls wired into the Ultimark board and then running that down through a USB cable down to the computer so it reads everything. So when you hit the gas and turn it away, all the buttons, all that stuff. Because you know? I have multiple games on there, so i got to put extra buttons underneath it for left and right to scroll through the games. So, so let me ask you about like that. that. So let me ask you about on the OutRun. So you've got an old school, and I'll have make sure I have a picture of an OutRun machine, but you've got you've got the steering wheel. You've got the pedals on the bottom. So you're actually running wiring from those accessories on the inside and you're running it to a board that will then convert it to USB to the PC so that it can read it like a normal controller to be used on like a wide variety of games. Is that how that works basically? Yep. Yep. That's, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. It's an encoder. Wow. Where do you get the board? Yeah, I do it with the Raspberry Pis on the RK one up. I have to run an encoder on, on each oh. joystick and button set to the Raspberry Pi or to the PC also. So mm. same, same thing. This is just, where do you get those controller, controller boards? Do you buy your parts from some specific place? I know you mentioned like micro center for like the different cherry type switches and all that. Like, is that the main place you get your stuff or do you have like places you go online to get the, the guts you need to do? I have kind several of other places. I can get a lot of that kind of stuff just straight through Amazon. That's the quickest gotcha. way of getting it, you know, okay. cause they spoil you with the, on, you know, two, three day shipping or, or even sooner than that sometimes. So Gotcha. But yeah, if I need it in a pinch that day, I will drive down to Brentwood to Micro Center down there and get stuff that I need. They have about everything. They got a pretty nice arcade section to start building one. 
Okay. That's really oh, cool. cool. And I noticed uh, on Doug's, on the side of his, and in a lot of the pictures we're showing, there are graphics. What is involved? I know like on mine you built, I'm, I don't know if you can see, I'm wearing my Superman hat. He printed a 3D Superman emblem and did a 3D printer on mine, one of his first builds, but then you got into doing wrapping. How do you go about that and how complicated is that? And I know you had, didn't you, Doug, did you, you pick that out and you worked with him on it, right? To customize, you get to that level of customization. How do you do that? Well, for me, uh, I have a company, a couple companies, one's out of Pennsylvania that I go through and they have a website and you can just go on there and pick what you want. And that's got to let them know if it's for an arcade one up or if it's for a bar top or, you know, a pinball machine or, you know, a micro center size arcade cap, whatever. But, mm -hmm. and then you just pick it, you know, pay the money and, it takes a few weeks to a month to get it because they have to, they have some really massive, you know, commercial size printers that they use with Photoshop and everything. You can also make your own uh, vinyl graphics to a Photoshop app and then, you know, work with them and stuff. And then you know, ship it to you. Then it's, it's a self, it's a self adhesive backing on it. So it's just oh a matter goodness. of putting it down just like you do on the vinyl graphic you see on people use on cars nowadays, you know, it just, getting it all down a little at a time and not having any air bubbles. That's the biggest thing is air bubbles. That would drive so. me nuts. I put that one on my steam deck and it took me forever. I can't imagine you having to do like a whole cabinet like that. Yeah. The cabinets are easy because they're flat. You, you, you have sure. a lot more curves on that steam deck that you have to get around and you get little traps of air pockets in those curves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to know some of the tricks with pins and stuff to get the air out and yeah. how to work it, all that. And, it and those, takes uh, a lot of patience. Those wraps, they're vinyl, right? Yes, yes, yes. It's vinyl wraps. It's a 3M gotcha. vinyl adhesive wrap, yeah. Yeah. And I also don't know, when we have some of the pictures, one thing I want to point out, if those of you watching on YouTube, if you look on Doug's at the top of the marquee, it's like a traditional marquee. It says arcade and has a light. However, he, he mentioned it a moment ago, he has some where there's an actual screen up there. And as you change the game, sometimes game footage will play at that top marquee or animate. So the level of customization that you do is just, it's really impressive. It's really, really cool. Yeah. So is that when you do that, is that um, like that programming at the top, let's say you're using it, the raspberry Pi, is that something the software does? So it knows to play um, like a footage B roll footage up at the top. Is that how that works? Well, depending on if it's like a Raspberry Pi four, it has two video ports on it, and there are some builds oh, that okay. have it that have it built in and have the marquees and a file system that matches to the game. When it sees that game, it automatically goes to that and shows it up on that second video screen, you know, which would be the marquee in this case, you know, that game because the name is file name file is the same as the game file. Gotcha. So with the PC, I had to run a Pi Zero. You know, little baby Pi Zeros. The tiny with, ones, with yeah. Eight, yeah, the little baby ones with an 8 gigabyte SD card in it. And it had all the files and it read with coin ops. That's one I like about coin ops because it's so user friendly. And you know, there's really hardly no learning curve with coin ops compared to like Launchbox and other front ends. So it's really nice. And gotcha. it even adding on games is like stupid simple. Yeah. So coin ops you know, is a software type. Yeah, it's yeah. a front end software program. Yes. Gotcha. So talking about that uh, driving arcade with all the games it takes me back to I love the off-road series, Super Off-Road on the Super Nintendo, 
Uh, I mean, I'm younger than you guys who don't have talk ages, but I like the Cruising USA and all those kind of 2000s uh, things. So arcades, uh, what was your favorite arcade growing up? Was it fighting or racing or wrestling? There were so many out there. Well, when it comes to a favorite arcade, I'm going to show my age. When I started out, it was uh, Space Invaders and Donkey Kong. You know, he that did was go back, at the YMCA. <laughs> That's a deep back cut. When I was like five. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, a young. I go, I go way back. I mean, I, I come, I was raised with this stuff. Literally, I've seen it from its, you know, infancy. So, you know, my first system arcade system I had was an Atari 2600. You know, when I was mm-hmm. five. So, I mean, yeah. I go back. So, I watch it just grow up. You know, and it's so great. I mean, I can, I can go on for days about all that. But uh, as far as a favorite game. I don't know if I really have one with arcade. So, I mean, I have some on consoles because I got more into consoles later years than I did arcade for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. only time I was ever arcade is if it was a birthday, you yeah. know, like an event. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, just the last arcade I was in, I was 14. That was pocket change. And I spent an entire day with a friend of mine. I mean, literally like eight hours in there. And I think the game I played the most yeah. at that time was Revolution X. I was real big on that yes. game with Aerosmith. I That's was real hot and heavy in that game. Yep. And I also liked Russell Fest and Superstars too at the time. Great game also. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So those are probably the three uh, arcades that come out and stick out the most to me. Yeah. You bring up Pocket Change. That was in the Columbia Mall, right? Yes. Yep. So I remember Revolution X, amazing uh, Aerosmith's music, if you're into Aerosmith, which I was and I am, awesome music. Uh, Afterburner 2, Time Crisis. I mean, there's just so many classics uh, that are in the arcades. Uh, Hollywood theaters uh, in our local town here, they had a pretty good arcade. So lots of great memories there. I was always an, a Rampage fan myself. I love that game. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Rampage. Grabbing the people one. out of the window and eating. Oh, yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> great game. Absolutely great game. So before we pivot to one other topic, Brian, you know, these cabinets, how first, how long do they take you to make? And I know it probably depends on the build, how big it is, uh, the style, but on average, because I'm, I'm leading into another question. That's why I'm asking about what's your average build time? I know it's not your full-time job. Uh, how long do these cabinets take to make typically for you? Most of the time it's just waiting on parts to come in more than anything, especially. So the, the build time's graphics. not bad. No, the build time itself. I could have it done in two days if I had all the parts right then and there easily. Gotcha. And that's taking my sweet time. You know, yeah. I could have it done a day, you know, a day and a half, you know, like the arcade one up, I have to add, you know, stuff like led lights and the marquee. Cause none of them, a lot of the first gen, second, third gens don't come with split marquees. You know, gotcha. it's literally just a piece of wood, you know, with a vinyl covering over it. So I actually have to make a piece of plexiglass, put an actual translucent vinyl on there and put an led behind it. So, and kind of create all that. So, and the more custom it is, the longer you're probably waiting on those parts. Like the wrap, mm-hmm. if it's made for that build, you're basically waiting on those custom things to be sent to you. Yes. Yeah. It takes up the month. Sometimes, I mean, I did a turtle one and we did the control panel. And this, the control panel piece itself, took like two months for me to get it. It, it took oh, quite a Ninja while. Turtles. Yeah. yeah. Ninja Turtle one. There was a four player one that arcade one up did. Yeah. Okay. Now that's, that's pretty good. So I asked that only because. Every now and then we'll have people ask uh, if if someone is interested in employing your services and have you build a custom cabinet like you did for Doug, myself, and many, 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 many other people, 
like I know you have like your own, you know, privatized business. Uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Oh, uh, they could, you know, they can email me on the old timer games at Yahoo. They can email me there and I can get a hold of them that way. And I'll give them my number, text them, whatever, okay. you know, and get down with them what they're looking for. Cause I can get pretty, pretty technical on the customizations of what they're wanting. If they have an idea, <laughs> yeah. if they don't, I give them ideas, so forth. Doug, you can speak to that when you went through the process. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, came over to your house one time. I saw that Superman build. I said, oh, I've got to have me one of these. Started talking to Brian. And just the the questions he had, so many customization options. Uh, you talked about the vinyl earlier. I looked and looked and looked on the website. So many options. But uh, And I'll uh, get some pictures up so everybody can see. I kind of picked a mixed match of all the games. So it's not just like one theme. It's all different characters from many different games that I love and I have so many good memories of. Which so makes you're sense because right, you have yeah. tons of games on the dumb thing. So oh, yeah. So many games. So you're right. The level of customization that Brian offers is amazing. We'll definitely have to throw his information up on there. We will. We'll put his email address if anybody's interested in it. And as a side note, one thing we did mention, if you're wondering, depending on what size you go with, whether it's a small one or a bar top one or full size, Brian, you always put extra ports uh, on it if you wanted to do like an external controller, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the Raspberry Pi, you know, they have four USB ports. So, you know, like you can run wireless controllers, I mean, like a PlayStation or Xbox style controller. The coin ops uh, on the PC, they are already pre-installed with uh, to run an Xbox 360 controller. So I, I put extra uh, extension cables on top of them. You know, mm -hmm. that way you can run with a uh, keyboard mouse combo or you can plug it in, you know, for you know, a wired or unwired, you know, wireless controller. You know, if you have more than two people playing it, you know, you know if it's a four-player game or something along those lines, some even, you know, Coinbase arcades had, you know, that, you know. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and, you and know. You've done a couple of different builds, and you, we've talked, we've kind of weaved in and out of it, but I want you to expand just a little bit more on the CoinOp. Now, does CoinOp, it's it doesn't run on Raspberry Pi. Does it only no, run on no. PC? Right. What? Well, like, it's PC, and they have recently just come out with a with a Raspberry Pi four oh, version. I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, yeah. I, I've been oh. working with it for a while now. So now, does it work six, well? Because it always works great on Windows. So how does it work on Raspberry Pi? It does okay. It does okay. They keep coming up with newer versions and updating stuff, mm. and you know, getting the bugs out. But yeah, so you know, it's still kind of infancy, but they're it's not. It's coming along pretty good. So. Mm. That's really cool. It is yeah. one of my favorites as well because he is right. It's turnkey. It's like, well, I, my favorite thing is the menu system. It's really easy to navigate yeah. and and it's more user friendly, I guess would be the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah I have yeah. to agree with that. Uh, finding the game that you want, it's got favorites list. It's uh, sorted by system or action or adventure. It's really easy to find it because like we talked about, I've got 5,000 to 10,000 games. I mean, that's just a rough estimate. I mean, I could spend days and days and days trying to find that one game I want, but the menu, like I said, sorts it really well. Well, and the really cool thing is like with mine, it's much, mine's a, a tabletop, not a bar top like yours, but so even smaller, but I had it sitting on my kitchen counter for the longest time. And what was so cool that he did little tweaks. I think I mentioned it last episode. Not only does he do tweaks, not only does he like gut the buttons and do all the rewiring, do all these customizations to what you want. But I remember Ryan, you know, mine, I think you did this on Doug's too. 
because you could spend so much time in the menu, like you can spend hours going through the menus. He has music like 80s music playing to entertain you. (laughs) Like little tweaks like that is so cool. How long did that take to set up? Oh, it don't take long at all. I mean, it don't take long at all. You just got to add the music, the wave files or whatever. I got, I got hard drive. I got an, see, I got an eight terabyte external that's full of ROMs. I got a six terabyte that's full of ROMs and builds. I got another eight internal that's got ROMs and music on it. I got a, I mean, I got almost 32 gig, well, 32 terabyte worth of ROMs. So, I mean, if you want something, he's got about 60,000 to 80,000 ROMs altogether. If you go through the 40 some years of systems, that's crazy. I mean, that, that, and that's also getting into like, uh, Vectrix, which is Russian, you know, all some of the PAL stuff and, you know, and I'm I'm kind of click getting, yeah, I'm getting into switch games now on there and now Xbox 360 and PS3 is finally starting to come around. So I'm getting some of them now. So it's, it's, it's getting bigger. It is. I I see. See, I would. So my other thing is on CoinOp, you had mentioned to me before the call a CoinOp jukebox. What is that? And what is that build that you're working on? What's that project? Well, it's CoinOp's front end, just like the arcade. But instead of the games, you have music. You know, it it shows it shows videos. And I'm eventually going to end up if I can ever find the right jukebox. I want an an old school seventy style Whirler, oh. the big class ones. Yeah. I want to put a like with a the big, colors sick, and everything. Yeah, I and the bubbles like a, on the sides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm doing more not fifties, but more seventy style, the wider oh, style. Okay. Yep. And it had the wider glass in the front where I can put an actual touchscreen TV in it. Oh, so I was thinking way, Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut had Some, those styles. Yeah, kinda. similar. Oh, yeah, back yeah, in the, the day. Wide, the real wide ones, yeah. And that way you can touch screen, you can on the touch screen, you can pick, scroll down, and find your song. I mean, they make an iTouch tunes already. You can find yeah. some bars and restaurants. This I've is just them. a bigger version of that, a bigger TV. I'm talking like wow. a 40 to 60 inch TV touch screen. Mm, okay. And then you can find your song. You, when you hit play, it'll actually play the video. That's one thing iTunes, iTouch does do is you know play the video mine would so you know That's then cool. it can flip out to other tvs if you need it to and just have wow. it on that one or whichever so i think it'd be kind of a neat, neat little project i'll eventually do that'd be fun and man can you imagine so, like at a restaurant or something not only do you get the music but you get to watch the video especially on the tv that's that's a really good idea oh see, i came really up with that idea. idea back in the 80s so it shows my age when laser discs first came out there was one at a pit of pizza hut and it was the first oh. time I ever seen an actual laser disc, and they sh- it actually mm. showed the video when you was on the song you picked and everything. That's where the idea kind of came from. I'm just modernizing it with the touchscreen and so forth. Awesome! That sounds really cool. Look forward to that. Yeah. Once you get to that point, we'll definitely uh, want to do an update and have your uh, uh, yeah. you know, new yeah, pictures I, I and got- updated builds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the jukebox right now. I got it on my pinball machine for kind of a multi-use. So, you know, it's pretty neat on the pinball machine too, so. Yeah. So I think uh, I first met you, I could be, I could have this backwards, uh, either building arcades or retro game collecting. Um, so being a retro game collector, we've talked about you and we've uh, – uh, talked about helping you at the gaming convention. If someone's interested in getting some items from your 
retro game collection or your inventory, what's the best way to go about doing that? Yeah, um, well, there's a couple ways. Um, I do have a display booth at Artichoke Annie's in Millersburg, Missouri. Uh, okay. It's in the yeah. back back there, and it's a lit up case. Can't miss it. Um, then you can also go through my old-timer games and, you know, if there's any games you're looking for, so, or any systems. So I got a lot of systems too, you know, so. Yeah. I was going to say, to be clear, I mean, we were talking about the amount of digital ROM games he has. He has probably almost just as many physical games yeah. as he I, has, like. I have to agree, yeah. <laughs> and well, consoles. Probably six, so, roughly 6,000, you know, the actual physical games, roughly. Yeah, I'm somewhere between four and 6,000 games right now. Yeah. Yeah. Doug and I had to hunt We've had to load and unload people. We know this. <laughs> yeah. But the, but the conventions are fun, as you, you know. Yes, they are. We Definitely. talked about on the episode, but they are fun. But uh, it's crazy the uh, amount of people out there that are interested in this. But he does have a decent inventory. So we'll make sure that, again, I'll put up the old timer game. Uh, uh, information contact information so if you're whether you are like kevin who we had on the show who's a collector who's looking for something or if you're interested in a cabinet a lot of people are uh, an arcade cabinet or something brian is your guy we'll make sure we can help you get in touch with him doug any any final thoughts or final questions for brian no i mean uh just keep letting me help you out at the conventions uh keep making these awesome cabinets uh once you get that uh pinball table i may have to give me one of those uh Thanks for coming on the show and talking to us today. Yeah, Brian, really yeah, no appreciate problem. your time. Yeah, no problem. All right, everybody. All right. We appreciate everybody listening to this episode number 19. And again, special thanks to Brian, our special guest. If you're interested in any of his stuff, we'll make sure we have it in the show notes as well, not just on screen. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions, of course, you can put them in the comments of YouTube. And we want to wish everybody a awesome week, and we will see you at a round number and even number Doug episode number 20 next week. Oh yeah. Big things moving on. Uh, right. Thank you everybody for listening and watching. All right. Take care everyone.